PlayStation games on PC? Will it ever happen? Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett, back and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys episode... Lucky episode 138. 138, where we will answer what the cold opening just asked, uh, though technically it's already been slightly answered, as we'll get into. Uh, We've seen a little bit of it. But with all the stuff going on around Death Stranding coming to PC and other PlayStation games having found their way to PC, will there ever be a day in which all PlayStation games do come to PC? And what are our thoughts on if that ever were to happen? Uh, We'll get into that later, of course. But if you don't know who we are, we are a PlayStation-based podcast, so we do talk about everybody in the industry, uh, things that we see other people, other companies do that we'd like to see Sony do, things that we see Sony do that we would like to see the competition do uh, all across the board. So... If you want to watch our lovely faces, you can do so over on YouTube. Uh, We put a video up every Monday for this show in particular at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST. If you like what we're talking about, give your comments down below. Uh, Give us whatever you think about what we're talking about. Put your two cents in. We love to hear from you. As well as if you want to be part of our community's take, which is our section where we go in and we ask the community a question at the end of every episode and get their feedback on it that we will then go over and get their feels for and uh, the beginning of the next episode, which we will be getting into here shortly. Uh, so yeah, if you don't want to have to go and find us on social media, you can do that. If you want to listen to us instead, you can of course go do so on podcast services, be it iTunes, Google Play Music, uh, Podbean, which has a cool app where you can also comment on videos and or on uh, podcasts there and give your thoughts and answers for your community's take over there if you would like to, uh, as well as things like Spotify, of course. And if you want to find us on social media and see what we post and also, of course, take play, uh, part in that community's take, then you can find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD, on Facebook in a group called Triangle Square, the PlayStation Podcast, or you can come over to our Discord where we have our moment-to-moment day-to-day life, probably the most active thing that we are on Um and that is always in the description below. We have it linked in. Uh, we have a community's take section there, so you can put your thoughts for the community's take there. If you want to just talk about anything going on in the podcast, you can do so there, of course, uh, and just otherwise hang out with the general chat or the music discussion that we have throughout that whole channel. We'd love to see y'all there. And, of course, if you are listening to this or watching this on anything that allows you to review the show we would love to hear your thoughts Uh, the reviews help other people see if our show is worth uh, their time as far as you're concerned Uh, and of course it lets us know what you do and don't like about the show so we would love to hear from you but we've got to start this show off the right way the way we always do Saul uh, with with as weird as our answers were last week what have you been playing this week uh, if anything I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2 Hitting the grind to get Mountaintop, which I finally got. No surprise. Mountaintop. Yeah. That's the one that you got to get for... Is it the multiplayer one or the one that you get from Zavala? No, that's uh, that's the one you get from Shaxx for PvP. That's it's, what I thought. You have to get like... What, what's the one I'm trying to think of? Uh, there's Wendigo. Wendigo. Which that's is another grenade launcher. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a it's a good, big grind for Mountaintop. Thankfully, there's a new playlist called Momentum, which is like Halo SWAT, like where Sky Rifles pretty much one-shot you in the head. And stuff oh, like that. Oh yeah. Okay. So I recall that. It makes uh it makes um grenade launcher kills real easy. So getting that was fun. I also got a Randy's throwing knife, which was a scout rifle. And yeah, I pretty much played that a couple days throughout the week. I did start playing my Switch again, uh with Dragon Quest eleven kind of just chipping away at that slowly but surely. But still as a demo? 
No, I actually bought the. I, I don't know if I mentioned that last week or not, but I, I bought the full game. You might have, and I'm just forgetting. Okay, yeah, but yeah, um, I did so, buy the full game like a week and a half ago. One of those situations where you can buy the full game from the demo and pick up where you left off. Ex- yep, absolutely. Awesome. I love um, those. And but yesterday, you know, I, I was telling you earlier today. I mean, earlier this week at work, like it kind of sucks that um, that you know, working with, 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 I'm not going to say their names, but working with people up at work, we we're talking about Pokemon a lot and how we're getting excited for sword and shield. And I really wanted to go back and replay some just to give me something to do until sword and shield. And I was, I actually have a new 3ds XL, um, sitting under my couch that I found. that I think I told you about, didn't I? That Annie was like, why don't you check under the couch? And I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot we had that one. Yeah. But, um, I was like, I thought yesterday, I was like, why don't I just play Let's Go Pikachu? Like, that's like, like I can actually transfer my stuff forward and it'll be fun. So I'm doing like a special Nuzlocke run on that, which is kind of weird. Well, hold on. What are you transferring forward? Uh, you, there's stuff that you can transfer to either Pokemon Bank or Pokemon Home. And I can transfer them into um, uh, Sword and Shield. Okay. I didn't know if Pokemon Bank moved forward into the Switch. I, hadn't I think seen it it's yet. Pokemon Home is okay. what it's going to be, but I'm not too sure about that. I don't know, but okay, I got you. But yeah, and I'm having to do kind of a weird Nuzlocke run on that because of the nature of, of um, you know, Nuzlocke's like you're supposed to pretty much catch the first Pokemon you see in a route. Well, now it's like there's multiple Pokemon roaming around in a route, so it's kind of like I will pick the first one that I see, but then I realized like trying to play it yesterday on route one, I'm like, I see all these at once technically. I'm like, I, I, I know exactly what they all are, so I'll just pick whichever ones I like. So I just picked that. Um, but it's still, I guess, it's it's not quite the traditional Nuzlocke, but it's a change on it that's more like, even if you like multiple Pokemon from an area, you can only choose one. You know what I mean? Yeah, and... Um, so it still gives you some form of limitation. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not... Since you can't really grind out battles in the wild anymore, yeah. and, and Let's Go or whatever, which is like one of the one things I really don't like about the game... Uh, what I can do now is I can catch Pokemon to level other Pokemon up yeah. and just release them. Yeah. I can't yeah. use them. I still got to nickname everything. So, uh, that's, it's been, it's been pretty fun. Uh, I've been kind of playing through that and I'm like, you know what this, you know, the Pokemon catching mechanic and let's go, isn't my favorite at all, but it's not terrible at I'd all. I'd say between both of them, the fact that there's a lack of, of traditional battle in the wild, the, of yeah. course there's traditional battle elsewhere, uh, but the lack of traditional battle in the wild and the catching mechanic are enough to really just make it me know it's a game I have no interest in, but I'm fine. There's a lot of cool ideas in it that even though I don't care for them, it's still interesting to see like the co-op, being able to play the game co-op is, is a weird move, but a cool move. Uh, and definitely with the way that you can do it, where it's again, utilizing the switches, individual controllers as, as stuff. So, yeah, I feel you. Yeah, so that's... So Destiny 2 and Pokemon. That's been it. That's it, okay. Well, I've I've played my PS4 this week as opposed to last week, which was literally the first time since I've had the console that I can genuinely remember not turning the console on. I didn't even turn it on to watch Netflix because, you know, that new TV is so much easier to get the Netflix on, which mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't watch a lot of Netflix back here anyway. Uh, but... I decided to bite the bullet after um, we, we talked about it a lot across a couple of episodes about my personal feelings as to whether I would start Yakuza. And I kept thinking, okay, I'm going to go buy the Outer Worlds and play both of them. Uh, the Outer Worlds is out of town everywhere physically, uh, or out of stock in town everywhere physically. So I held off on it. Then I've seen a couple of people give a little bit of mixed reviews on it. I still think it's a game I'm going to love just because of the type of games I love. But holding off since I'm not going to be playing it right now and the fact that it's not available anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of just 
in the interim, and I decided, well, I'm still going to go ahead and start Yakuza. I've got it downloaded. There's literally no barrier besides just hitting play. Uh, so I've been playing Yakuza Kwame all week. Oh, okay. I've still had a bunch of other stuff going on, so I've not been able to play it just as much as I'd want to, but I'm at the very end of the game as far as the game would tell you. You know, uh, in games when they reach that point where they say, oh, hey, uh, make sure you save because past this point you won't be able to do any extra stuff. So go stock up on things and uh, complete any side missions you want to complete right now. Yeah. So I'm at that point of the game. So I spent earlier today um, just rolling through and completing a bunch of sub-stories, which is what they're called for like essentially side quests. I'm at the point um, where... Personally, I'm, I'm enjoying the game. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are curious to see where I was going to land on that. We had a bunch of people tell me that I should just go ahead and start playing it uh, and, and, and disregard play order and that it wasn't the most important thing. Um, so I appreciate you guys pushing me. I actually really do enjoy the game. I enjoy the world more than anything. Um, the, the combat is fun, and which is probably the biggest pull, but I like that the game tries to make it to where you're not only doing combat. And when you do, it's not always long stints uh, and that it gets kind of in and out quick and that there's a challenge within that. But I, I would say if the game was always just super combat heavy like that, I don't know how I'd feel about it, but I at least uh, really enjoy what they're trying to do with the world. And then having the combat be the one mechanic, uh, you know, the mechanic that you're trying to tie into to keep the game's action up. Yeah. But it's interesting so my, my thoughts on this game, since you know this is the first one, and I don't know anything else about it. It's a remake of the first one from PS2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, Kiwami 2 is the same. Uh, but, of course, you can't, you, Yakuza 0 came out as a new title throughout all that. So I don't know how they play separately. But with these, at least within this one, I'm really enjoying the world. I like to, Every now and then, I'm having these moments where I feel like these are predictable things. But then again what was predictable in 2000 or what was what's predictable now to me may not have been predictable to me in 2005 or even common gamers. There's almost a thing that I think happens. The more media that you consume is that you start to be able to pick up on things that are going to happen. Yeah. And so it kind of ruins your ability to completely be surprised by things. But I will say completely be surprised because while I've guessed a lot of things about the game, I'm not going to go into specifics. Um, in terms of the main story, for sure. I'm not going to go into specifics. But while I've been able to guess some of the things from the main story, I've also been able to guess sub-stories, but they've always still had elements to them that surprised me. So it's like, well, even though I knew the majority of what was going on, there's at least one thread that I didn't expect. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, okay. It, it still pulls me forward to be interested in these characters. Um, the one thing that I think plenty of people who've watched the show a long time would probably be curious about is... I've constantly lamented the fact that the games do not have an English sub or dub rather. Uh, and it's not been that bad uh, playing through. I do still have that feeling where sometimes I feel like I'm trying to hyper-focus. So I don't miss anything on the subtitles and I will sometimes not fully be able to pay attention to the, 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 the action happening probably just cause I'm not as used to it. Yeah, but it's still pretty good. I mean, I really enjoyed the story. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, Going to very likely continue to play Yakuza. I will probably platinum this one, though I will see how that goes as I keep going through. I will probably play them intermittently throughout other games, and uh, I really appreciate that I had people kind of push me into playing it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, one side quest, it just made me laugh, though. And I was, I w- this is one of those things where I used to never consider Yakuza, at least due to experience. I was never one of those people that's like, oh, this is a real ace in the whole exclusive for Sony. 
but now that I'm playing it, I think that the production values, especially in Kwame, are quite good. Uh, given that it's a Sega-made game, I don't have the highest expectations of Sega games, if I'm being dead honest. But I've been surprised. Any character that you see more than once in the game that it actually has any form of importance is going to have an actual really good design that looks really good and is rendered prettily. Uh, Passer B people and people that may have a, a very passing interest in the story will sometimes look a little rough, which is par for the course for games like Grand Theft Auto and whatnot like that. You've yeah. seen it forever. Um, but there was one side mission that I that really surprised me with the amount of detail. Uh, that I'm walking down the alley, and uh, of course, uh, a, a woman comes up to me, scantily clad, has like a robe over like a uh, lingerie suit, and there's a guy who's drunk chasing her, <laughs> and. Uh, she's like, I don't know you or whatever. He's like, you put your hands on me first or whatever. And I end up protecting her, you know? And then she's like, well, can I buy you a drink for protecting me? Blah, blah, blah. So I say, yes. But the whole time I'm like, this is fishy. I have this feeling. I'm like, I feel like this drunk is in on a thing where they're just trying to get me to go back to a, to a bar. And she starts up talking to me and saying all this weird stuff, like rubbing on my arm being like, you're so strong and muscular. And then when I, then she hands me a drink. Right. And I'm already having my feeling. I'm like, this is, she's trying to do something. Right. And the bartender that we're that we go to, he hands me a drink and her a drink, and I down mine, and she doesn't touch hers, and I'm like, oh god, got here we got, go, got the roofie, I've got roofied, right? But I really appreciate the small level of detail in the game. There was nothing in my glass that turn, but she still didn't drink, so I thought, of course, I got roofied, and I. But then she said, well, let's drink again, and he poured another thing and put it down. And the option came up for me to what to do. And I noticed in the bottom corner where it showed the glass in my glass, there were two pills that were fizzing to the top and in her glass, there wasn't. So I said, there wasn't roofies in the last one. It was the one to kind of get you off your guard of like, no, this isn't anything bad. She's just wanting a drink. Yeah. But then it was there. And I had to keep doing this thing where the guy kept telling me, you're going to refuse a free drink, man. Come on, buddy. And I eventually had to push it down to where I ended up fighting him. But and it was, was this fun. Kiwami or zero. This is Kiwami. Okay. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. It's, it's a game that, lives and breathes on its ability to kind of recreate a little city for you that kind of feels like there's real stuff going on. You'll walk by people and you'll see little text bubbles of things that they're saying and you can talk to them sometimes and what they're saying will have pertinence to your mission or your side mission or a bunch of different other things. Side quests are interesting. Sometimes they're goofy and zany and sometimes they're actually in-depth and long. Um, But I enjoy it and I intend to do more. So that's the only thing I've played, but Looking forward to doing more. Not immediately. I will not start Yakuza Kiwami immediately. It is a game that I will need a little bit of a break from once I'm done. But if you ever get around to it, you should try it. I think I will one I day. think it would surprise you. Just not in this, not from here to the end of the, end of the year. <laughs> no. there's way, Well, and probably not the first quarter of next year. Nope. Too much. <laughs> there's a little bit of room in January. A little bit. A little bit of room. Uh, but all right. We're going to go ahead and get moving on into the community's take. So, of course, our last episode was in regards to delays, uh, of course, surrounding a bunch of Ubisoft games. Um, of course, uh, Ghost of Tsushima being uh, reported. Re- reportedly move back internally uh, due to The Last of Us 2 being delayed, actually. Uh, and it gets to this point, you know, where we said, "What? how do you feel about delays? That was our simple question. How do you feel about delays? Uh, and the question as I actually worded it was, how do you feel about game delays? Are you want to take it as a hope that it'll make the game better? Do you hate them? Or do they worry you that the game may have issues even by the time it actually launches? And over on Discord... Got a couple of responses. Uh, we have Mr. Blake coming back into the gaming fold. Thank you for 
interacting. Speaking of which, I lied. I did play Sea of Thieves play, this Yeah, week. I'll say you played Sea of Thieves. I just don't remember that when you said break. So break there thing. you go. Bam, bam. Only one night, but it was it was fun. We were getting griefed a lot, but it's still fun. You should. Brett just you doesn't want everybody to know. Buy it. No, you should you should play it with us. Oh, I thought you said you should buy it and play it. I may have said buy it, but I was intending to say <laughs> because of Game Pass. <laughs> I mean, I still have it downloaded on my PC. Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, play it on PC. Even I don't care. Just play it with us. Anyway, uh, he says, I'm always happy when a game is delayed more time for them to work on it and get it done right. It sucks to have to wait longer, but it's almost always worth it. And I'm glad he put almost because I do think that there's a couple of examples of games that I don't know if I'd say worth it as much as at least you ended up getting a game that worked. You know, there's and there's I think we get into that at one point in this. Uh, I'm going to hop over to Mr. Josh Ayers. That way we don't repeat too many people <laughs> he says i'm okay with game delays yeah some suck but naughty dog said the delay for the first last of us game made the game go from an eight to ten uh, from an eight out of ten to a ten out of ten so i trust them i was annoyed it was originally so close to final fantasy 7 so i'm happy now that it worked out for me i actually agree i was really kind of bummed that they were saying this game was gonna be really long and it was right like a week before final fantasy 7 i was like how do i beat what they're saying is like a 50 hour game Right before going into what another company is calling a 40-hour game at minimum, you know, I'm like, what am I going to do here? So I do appreciate that. And, you know, I I haven't seen where Naughty Dog have said that, but I do believe that they understand what they do and don't need. Um, So I can understand that. One of the most interesting ones, I'd say, though, uh, it comes from us over on Twitter. It's our good buddy, uh, Ryan. He says, I have no problem with delays personally. I have too much to play as it is. But as far as the industry goes, I think that they are staged. I think the first date slash promotion is used to gauge interest. And if there is none, then the pub does not allow for any extra development time. and that's actually not a bad theory. It's really not a bad theory. And he went into it a little bit more because, you know, I, I, I went a little bit back and forth with him, with him on there. But he says, like y'all were saying, it was promotion through the roof, hinting at a state of play trailer, which he thinks was a mistake, but makes sense if the intent was to get as many people as possible to watch. So Naughty Dog could be look like, look, Sony, you'll make your money back. And I think that that's actually a pretty good one. He says to show a date they knew they weren't going to be able to hit. Unless it's a reaction to the lack of multiplayer feedback, I don't see how announcing the date wasn't the temperature gauge to see if more dev time was affordable. I thought Red Dead Redemption 2 did this also. Red Dead Redemption 2 did have a delay. I don't remember if it was an actual date that was delayed very short after announcement. I think part of what made The Last of Us 1 seem so weird is that it came so shortly after the the, the date hit. But yeah. there's probably something to what he's saying. You know, I, I, I could see Naughty Dog personally telling Sony, regardless of whether it was Sony's intent, I could see Naughty Dog saying, crap, we feel like we need a little bit more time, but if we tell them this date, put out a trailer, people get really hyped on it, and then we can go look at how many people are hyped on it, we can afford this extra time to make sure the game is exactly what we want it to be, then it, I could see that. Whether or not it's on a publisher level, that it's, that it's a scheme, and I'm sure he's saying not all delays are planned and staged. Some almost undoubtedly are. I think sometimes games are likely delayed because there's too much competition around them, but they don't want to say that because it makes them think that they have a weaker game. Yeah. So they just instead say, want a little bit more time to polish the game, but now we're moving it to a window that's, that it is going to be here. And then technically the inner side of it is saying, this is so that the game can actually be more competitive. Yeah. Um, and, and then that, there's games that have not done that. We we talk constantly about, or we have throughout the show about how battlefield one and, um, 
Titanfall, Titanfall 2, 2. Uh, were released way too close to each other from the same publisher and how a simple delay of one or even just not choosing to do so, something as simple as not choosing to have those games so close would have been a good idea, I think. But um, you think you want to add to that in particular? No, yeah, like sometimes it actually does kind of seem like a little theory and it actually makes sense from like a marketing level to gauge people's interest with the news of something like that too. So yeah, I could have seen that. Yep. Just I don't think we'll ever really know which ones do it or not. Yeah, that's our thing. We got one over on Facebook from Mr. Corey Crash Hickerson, our good buddy. Love him to death. He says, a delay only upsets you for a short time while you wait longer for it. A bad game is bad forever, uh, which is very close to the Miyamoto quote that I could not remember who said it last time, but that's what it was, Miyamoto. Uh, and then we have one from Mr. Danny Candyman Villobos. I think I've said it right again. Anyway, always down for delays as long as the major problems they were facing get resolved and the extra time acquired. In the God of War documentary, we see the stress and mess that was going on in Santa Monica when they had to give Sony a date. Initial release was, I believe, for February. Another recent example was Indivisible from Lab Zero, made by a small studio where the game had 3D backgrounds and hand-drawn character animations. They had to delay the game by a year, which I was totally fine with because I trust the studio to put in quality time and effort to make sure that the game is ready. And I think that this all comes down to say that delays, I think, across the board, everybody has their own feel of... It's it's almost a game-by-game game basis of yeah. how you feel about the delay. I think that some games, and we had uh, one of our longtime listeners, I had to go find where he put it, Mr. Mark Schutz, he says... Um, and this will be the last one we're going to do. But he says, with a 50-plus game backlog, it's not like I can't find something to play when a game is delayed. And if a delay is needed to get a game up to scratch, I'm fine with that. But if it releases late and still sucks, you have to wonder what they were doing with all that extra time. Uh, and he does say, take Crackdown 3, for example. Much as he enjoyed the game, wasn't expecting a genre-defining game, just a good, fun shooter, which is what he got, there was part of me thinking, after all these years of work, this is the best you could do. And I think that that's the one game that I constantly think of here. And, you know, the thing about Crackdown 3, I think a lot of people crapped on it. And, and the reason I will say rightfully so is that when you have a game that was announced at the beginning of the generation and you don't release it until this year. I don't think it was announced year, at the beginning of the generation, was it? I think it was announced last generation. Uh, no, they t- Well, maybe. I mean, technically it was... Um, let's see. Because I really remember it being announced so early. And it was originally going to launch in... 2016 so here we are uh yeah originally set to be released in 2016 it was delayed until 2019 so three years later yeah um and regardless of when it was initially announced we know that it was at least long enough ago that they thought they could hit the 2016 days so probably 2014 uh if if anything else but you know when you have a game like that it's talked about for a long time and another game i will actually give uh this similar treatment to though i think that the style of the game makes the outcome questionable depending on who you ask is um on the sony camp of things we have the last guardian a game that was constantly talked about and seemed like to like it was never going to materialize and i I personally kept thinking that about crackdown 3 every time they talk about it and show a little bit more of it it was getting a little bit better treatment than the last guardian because they were at least trying to show it right but it constantly had this sense of Oh, this developer left. That's going to delay it again, whether they whether we're told it is or not. Yeah. It's totally delaying it. Okay, because there's three developers working on this. One's dropping out. Why are there three developers working on it to begin with? You know, and that probably happens more often than not. But when you see that optic wise, it this looks interesting. Mm-hmm. 
But a game like that, you know, my what I said is it's a game that, exactly as he said, when, when you play it, it's not that it was a bad game, but it was essentially a game where the delays were only intended to get the game, to get a game that was going to be at least good enough that the fans of the other games would be happy with it to a point where it could ship. It was never to make a more ambitious game. It was never like, you know what, we're going to delay this game by a year because we actually think we can make a much more interesting game and a better game. Instead, it was, we already have the shell of what we want the game to be. We just have to be able, and, and this is still, we can't know for sure, but it really looks like from the final product, it was this, we have a game that will at least be good enough for most fans of the ongoing series to at least be happy with the game. And that was the goal that they set for themselves, and they inevitably hit. Yeah, It just does feel like his exact quote was, after all these years of work, this is the best they could do. And I feel like all delays sit somewhere on that spectrum of, how necessary they are, how much of a problem the game is to where you have to feel like you're constantly trying to get it up to a point where you can actually ship it. There's a lot of things. Uh, you know, I have the same fear. We were talking about the blood and or the skull and bones uh, Ubisoft pirate game that mm-hmm. got delayed until 2022 or whatever it was, 2021. And that was announced two years ago. And now we're that much further away from it. Probably announced longer ago than that. Uh, it's just... It's interesting. Yeah, and kind of similar to what we got with Final Fantasy 15 in the end, too, with some people like me hating the game and some people like you enjoying it. Yeah, and... <clears> you know, Even though it wasn't like the level of enjoyment you would typically get out of exactly. Final Fantasy. Exactly, and yeah. it's the same way. You know, I think that every game is a, is a battle of how necessary delay is going to be. But thank you guys. Appreciate y'all chiming in like you always do. Now we're going to announce the winner of our costume party. Yes, we are. So our costume contest that we announced last episode, of course, as was the last episode of our uh, really chill uh, stage. I like the setup, light being You know off. what I mean? I know. but Let's just keep that all year round. The problem with that is if you have no light up here to offset that, we're going to look really dark. <laughs> no, I think we'll look fine. We got those two lights, but, two stage lights. We're back to the light, Saul. Here's the thing: we have to Ugh. we have to bake in the light the re- all year long, so that when we get to spooky season, we can have that respite. You know, my, my eyes. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we said that we would give a twenty dollars PSN card uh, if y'all would send in y'all's costumes, and we would judge them. The first time that we've done an actual judge uh, competition. Oh yeah, yeah, that one doesn't <laughs> work. Oh, but the color's wrong. So okay, well, yep, yep, well there you the go. remote works. Hold on. Well, let's see. I'll go ahead and announce the winner. So uh, we did ask you guys to send us pictures of of y'all in costume and and get them all out there for us to so we could determine the winner. And accidentally, I think is is what is who won because it was not. We didn't say you can only submit one thing, so technically they submitted two. Yes, and they won for it. So, but Matt, here's the thing: his first one, his statement was. I, this is the one I want to do, but I'm not going to subject you to that horror. So here's my other one. Instead. Yeah, and then we made him subject us to the horror, and it, it, it's Matthew Green. You are the winner, and it's your uh, Rocky Horror picture. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm we're gonna go. I'm gonna find this picture. I will. It shouldn't be too hard. All you gotta do is go to our Twitter and then go to our t- our profile, and, and then- uh, I will share that out loud. I'll share that across our Twitter. And I don't I'll know. Pull it into Facebook as well. I, maybe we should get. <laughs> Yeah, go for it. He put it on our Twitter. He, yeah, he put it on Twitter. It, it's out there for everyone so, to see. Why don't you just retweet that and say this is the winner? I still need it on uh, Facebook. Oh, okay. 
So I, we, we, will, we will pull that across. Matt, the problem with what you've what you've chose to do. Matt, uh, did you ever realize that Brett would be saving that picture to his hard drive on his computer? Just don't, uh, ask, don't ask any questions about that. It's so great. <laughs> That's so Matt, enjoy your gift. So card. we will be reblogging or retweeting, whatever. Reblogging. God, this, this is ain't Tumblr. Tumblr. Yeah. Yucky. But that way you guys can know on the show. Uh, who won? If that's why you're watching, uh, I think. Well, I got about maybe five to six submissions. Uh no, across um, everything, we got about twelve. Well, I don't have Facebook. Oh so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can't count all of them. But so yeah, congratulations, Matt. All right, well here we go. Thanks, guys. It was fun. It made me genuinely laugh. So yeah, you know. And also, everybody who didn't do more for Halloween, don't be Saul over here not dressing up. Also, we got a picture of a dog, and it was really hard for me to not automatically try and give it to the dog. Yeah, but the dog Mr. can't My play. Mr. My Name is Dan. The, the dog can't play the PlayStation. The dog can't play PlayStation. That is true. So, there so, we go. Brett, why don't you head us into the news of the week? I will surely, surely I'm going to so. do what I said I was going to do earlier. <laughs> not surprised. All right. So, uh, despite their recent controversy, which we will not be getting into here, uh, Blizzard's annual BlizzCon hit, of course, this year and brings with it new announcements. At least on the console side of things, the things that will affect us the most will be Diablo 4, of course, being announced with a trailer and gameplay showing off three of the five classes, which is Barbarian, Sorceress, and Druid. And some info on the game, such as it being a shared open world with five contiguous regions. No offline mode for the game. It will support couch co-op, though, of course. Um and being developed for PC, PS4, and Xbox One for the time being, though a next-gen version is almost undoubtedly uh, going to happen. You know, one of the things that the team made sure to say is that the game is quote not coming anytime soon. Uh, so I could definitely see this being a cross-gen game that either releases after the next new, you know, the next-gen consoles hit, or right before, and then re-releases for them uh, potentially, like we saw with Diablo Three being a PS3 game that, of course, uh, at least in terms of consoles, PS3 game that got moved over, of course, to PS4 as well. So if you like Diablo 3, which I think uh, Kiki is one of our patrons just is now getting into. Uh, there you go. You got something new to be excited about finally. Not surprising that they would bring this uh, in, in considering the situation they were in, but you know what? Cool to see regardless. Uh, the team, let's see, also for Overwatch uh, showed Overwatch 2, which was leaked a bunch before this hit. Almost everybody knew about it for a couple weeks ahead of time, but it does bring with it a PvE mode, new maps, new heroes, uh, PvP modes as well, new ones of those. Cosmetics from the first game will remain unlocked in the second game. And if you are a fan of Hearthstone, StarCraft, Heroes of the Storm, or World of Warcraft, they, of course, announced new stuff on that. But that has no impact on console gamers. So if you straddle both, go check it out if you haven't seen it. I'm sure if you haven't been living under a rock, you've already seen it. Uh, one thing that would be really interesting to me, and I wish Saul was here to bounce it off of, I'll we'll have to bring it back up for him. I actually think it would be really interesting if one of these BlizzCons that they would announce that World of Warcraft would be getting a console release... And I only think that because we've seen a number of MMOs be successful on PS4. Uh, and even on Xbox One, we've seen Black Desert Online be successful, which it's coming over to PS4 uh, if, not, if it's not already there. Final Fantasy XIV Online on PS4 is quite big. Elder Scrolls Online does quite good on, on consoles as well. Uh, we see games like Warframe, which I think tie into a somewhat similar, but it's also a little bit more at home on consoles uh, in terms of average player being used to the type of game. Um, but yeah, I'm a little surprised that we haven't seen Blizzard try and bring World of Warcraft to a whole new player base. They actually might be able to tap into people who otherwise wouldn't play the game by bringing it to consoles. And I still would hold that I would not be too surprised if that's something they do soon. 
maybe even with uh, Diablo, I mean, not Diablo, sorry, but World of Warcraft uh, Classic or whatever they called it. So anyway, next up, unlike Ubisoft's Hard Times publisher, Sega seems to be solid, uh, be seeing solid performance for its games as it prepares to release some bigger titles in the way of Yakuza 7, of course, coming up, uh, Persona 5 Royal, which hits very soon in Japan, if I'm not mistaken, Project Soccer Awards, and more, of course, if you are a fan of Nintendo consoles, you'll see that they are doing the Mario and uh, Sonic um what is it? Uh, Olympi- uh, the Olympics, Olympic Games 2020. So you can check that out if you're into that as well. Uh, good to see them bouncing back. I think that they had a pretty weird year the year before. So seeing them bounce around on um, existing IP that's done pretty well for them is, of course, a good thing. And like I said, now that I'm into Yakuza, I still don't know how I feel about Yakuza 7 being turn-based. Uh, but my interest in a Sega franchise that's not Sonic is uh, getting up there. So good to see. Uh, next thing up, with the game utilizing their engine, it's no surprise to see that according to the credits for the game, 70 Guerrilla Games employees worked on Death Stranding alongside Kojima Productions with everyone from lead environment artist, art directors, lighting artist, and even quest designer, uh, the, the lead quest designer from Guerrilla Games being listed. Now, I'm unsure... And it's not been reported yet if this is really just the people who were somewhat involved in working on stuff with the engine or, you know, going back and forth. One of the things that was uh, done with this engine whenever they gifted it to Kojima Projections, uh, Guerrilla Games did, uh, it was an effort to both have both developers improving the engine in a single database they can both benefit from. So anytime that Guerrilla Games would make a, an improvement, Kojima could, uh, Productions could, of course, benefit from that and vice versa, uh, which is a great use of that, and it's not surprising to me. I think when you have a, a really great engine like... Um, Oh, Gord, I, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but when you have a really great engine like theirs is, uh, then you do get to that point where decima engine there we go uh where it, it the more people that you have working on it they can send back something that you can really get a great thing out of it uh the thing that you want to try and avoid with an engine like that of course which thankfully we don't see sony do is try and do the ea thing where every game is forced to utilize the same engine um and thankfully you don't have problems uh where you have uh, every single studio having to constantly have one developer go back and be their support to make them understand how to make the game work best or update parts of the games to make to work best for the game they want to build. I'm glad that we've not seen that. It seems that these two games are similar enough in style and the engine was open enough that it worked out. So good to see. Uh, next up, Despite Sony's early insistence that they didn't see EA Access as a value for the players, now that the service has finally made its way to PS4, the service has actually been adopted quicker on PS4 than it did on the Xbox One. Though, to be fair to it, the vault of games available in the service's vault um, is much more robust than it was when the service launched on Xbox One. So, not surprising to see. There's also a bigger player base, but it's still good to see that in this one instance, uh, Sony's very BS answer as to why they didn't want to do it uh, has been proven wrong, and there, there are plenty of people on the console that see it as value and are doing, you know, playing or paying for it. So good to see, and congrats EA for their service. You know, EA doesn't get a lot of uh, ups. So I want to give them one. There we go. Next up, PS Plus games for November are Neo and Outlast 2. You can download them starting November 5th, which is the day that this, uh, the day after this goes live. Utilizing PS Plus to generate more interest in Neo 2 is a great idea as far as I'm concerned. Neo 2 was just recently uh, revealed that it was going to be uh, re- launching on March 13th of next year. So 
this is a thing I we've seen PS Plus do plenty of times, but we're seeing it a lot more often now. Uh, we saw Last of Us uh, Part One, however you want to call it. I guess that'll be the retroactive name for it. But we saw The Last of Us last month, uh, and at the same time as they were announcing uh, The Last of Us Two for early year, uh, it's a it's a great marketing move. I think it's a good way to get people in who may have not played the first one. Uh, you're that far into it now, you stand to gain more by letting them have your game for. A contracted discounted price or in Sony's cost uh, point with the last of us free essentially um, so that they have a higher chance of having even more people play the last of us two early on and make more money off of it. It's smart. And I think doing that with Neo is, is not a surprise either uh, considering that that game does have exclusivity periods um, with, you know, uh, with PlayStation as well uh, considering the situation that they have with it before going to PC. So other people can play it. So it's a great move. Good to see. Next up, a solid year for AA gaming, like we talked about with last uh, episode, Greedfall and Plague Tale Innocence, as well as The Surge 2, performing well uh, either financially uh, or or commercially or both in a lot of these games' cases. But now we see Remnant from the Ashes, a game that a good group of people in our community were playing, um, has announced that it has 1 million units sold alongside the announcement of a new game mode and a roadmap for 2020. And I think that this is interesting because this year has really shown us that there is a big market that's starting to kind of catch on for double a games as a service that we haven't really been seeing too much of you know we've seen games as a service hit this generation but it's mostly had triple a publisher support behind it with things like sea of thieves and destiny 2 as it was with activision and even destiny 1 at the beginning of the generation uh while it's technically um a double a i think that warcraft probably well not warcraft i'm sorry um warframe uh, has probably got the most thing in there to where it's technically a game of double A quality that's continued to improve constantly. Uh, that shows that there is really a market for this, and that's even in the free to play market. Uh, but it's good to see because, of course, this and World War Z, and um, I can't think of any more immediately off the top of my head, but we've had a number of big hitters this year that show that this is a market that might be seeing more use and that games as a service are here to stay, apparently. People really like to do it. Also, Good on Remnant for being one of the first people to really push out a, at least on consoles that I can see and remember. And if you see, if you know of another one, let me know. Uh, but kind of take the Dark Souls-ish formula and build a game as a service around that. You know, it's a great use and great idea. I think a lot of people like that style. If you can give them reasons to constantly come back, you're doing a good thing. Next up, PS4 has now become the second best-selling home console, beating out the Wii and PlayStation 1 this last quarter by hitting 102.8 million units by September 30th. If handhelds are included in these numbers, it sits in fourth place behind the DS and Game Boy, which each hold a hefty lead over it that will be interesting to see if the system can overcome. With it being at 102.8 million, I think that the Game Boy is at like around 118.5 million. And the DS is 154.5 million or something. It's very, very close to the PS2's um, 155 or 100, whatever it is. 154 is what the DS is at, and the PS4 is at 155 million. PS2, rather. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if we can hit any of those. You know, we're a year out from, from the next-gen consoles coming and hitting, and I think you're at this weird point where it's probably going to start slowing down. Uh, things like Black Friday, of course, can help it, and depending on how Sony wants to try and pull this idea of backwards compatibility and stuff in, you might have more of a reason for someone to buy into a PS4 
knowing that the games they start to buy on it right now will eventually work uh, when they decide to dip into the PS5 later than some. You know, you have those patient gamers that hit. That's definitely something that you could see them do, and it might help them eventually hit close to that number. But if I'm being honest, in my opinion, I can't see much of... uh, I I can't see the PS4 actually hitting uh, PS2 numbers. So that's where we are. It's fine. I mean, they're doing a great thing. And, of course, Sony took a... uh, Big turnaround from what they were getting last generation deep into it with that. Uh, We're seeing them do really good this generation, so good for them. Whether that translates into success of this same style or same uh, stature next gen is yet to be seen. I agree. (laughs) Thanks, so. Talking about how the PlayStation 4 became second best-selling home console. Oh, yeah, I did see that. And, you know, what I was getting at, and I'm actually, since you're here, I'm a little curious as to what you think about it. Uh, How likely... With, with a year to go in terms of having no next-gen competition, necessarily, with a year to go, more or less, how likely do you think it'll be that the PS4 breaks? Because handhelds included, it's in fourth place. So the Game Boy is at around $118 million. Do you think that it'll surpass that? Oh. Because the next notch up is the DS, which is $154 if the million. Leaks, if the leaks for the Black Friday sales are true, it has a chance... There's one place that's already revealed their Black Friday thing, and it's God of War, though the ad shows God of War 3. Yeah. They don't know if it's a mistake or not. Um, it shows God of War, Horizon, and one more game. I can't remember if it's Spider-Man or not, but it's three of the PlayStation-exclusive greatest hits games and a slim PlayStation from 199 again. But instead of one pack-in game, you get three. What I saw, which I think... But that was Belks. And the thing... Are, it was where? I don't know. Maybe not Belks. I well, think it's Bells. No, Belk. Um, we don't have one. That's probably no. why you don't think about it. But just to give credit to why it's, it may not be the lowest Black Friday deal is that the Nintendo Switch Black Friday doorbuster buster deal is two ninety nine, but it says normally three oh nine, and the Switch is already normally two ninety nine. So who knows what that's going to be? I think that might be a fake ad, or like maybe some kind of weird Canadian ad. I didn't look too much into it. Whether what or not kind it was of company saves you ten dollars on a console? For a doorbuster. Did you see? Okay, so the leaked Walmart one is the one I'm talking about, where the PlayStation Slim is 149, mm-hmm. and I think that the Switch Lite is like 149 or 129. I can't see that. Nintendo normally doesn't do Black Friday um, deals the same way. They'll do a pack-in game or something. Like that. That, okay. Well, that's the ad I'm thinking of. Yeah. If they have the Slims at 149, then I can see them getting close to breaking into the third. Yeah, because of course the four the, to go into the second place, they have to beat out. And this is a course of all time. You have to beat out 154 million DSs. That, that At is that al- point, you're getting real close to PS2 numbers. That's also not somewhere we're going <laughs> on Black Friday. We go to Best Buy, Target. Walmart is not somewhere I'm going. Oh, I don't normally go. And if I do, it's really late on Friday when no one's there. Just to see if there's any scrounge of extra. I, I picked up Need for Speed Payback uh, for like 20 bucks <laughs> at Walmart on Black Friday. but Or technically Black Friday. Just really late that Friday. Not a, it's not a, a bad idea to go there. It's just you don't want to go in the middle of all the crazy stuff. Saul gets to enjoy Black Friday shopping this year, guys. Yeah, you we're going to have some fun. Uh, one other thing I wanted to run by you just because I thought it was interesting uh, as you were walking out right when I was getting into it. Uh, what do you think are the chances of Blizzard eventually at some point in time re- uh, making a console version of World of Warcraft to pull in users that they've never been able to 
You know, I'm but, not a fan of World of Warcraft. Nor, nor am I, and I don't want it for myself because I don't care about World of Warcraft. But when you think about the fact that you have so many MMOs coming out that are that, that have been on PlayStation, Final Fantasy XI Online was on PS2, uh, even. So when you think about it that way, you're coming up. And we've seen uh, Elder Scrolls Online do really great. You've seen Final Fantasy XIV do great. Whether or not you want to consider um, Warframe as an MMO, it does great on console. Uh, Black Desert Online does great for Xbox and it's coming to PS4. It's shown that these games can work on console. And for a long time, you know, Diablo 2 was, strand- was stranded on PC, never came to uh, console. But we saw Diablo 3 be a, you know, an effort for them to make sure that they were getting more PC or more console business and we saw that with overwatch they brought overwatch to pc though they didn't our ps4 dang it i think um, i'll launch to the same spot though they did they did but i mean it doesn't mean the thing about it is that you can't deal with the world of warcraft not launching i mean it's possible to bring a version that comes over to ps4 even if it just means that you're only playing with people on ps4 though with the way that the market's going i don't think or i should say consoles but with the way the market gets going i'm pretty sure people would want to be able to play with pc people well uh, you can answer the question and I've, i think i've asked it before and i forget i know that on Elder Scrolls online you can't you can only play with people on consoles you can't play with pc um but on final fantasy 14 online you can play with people on pc right yes even on ps4 yes yeah because you um, could on you could on final fantasy 11 as well yeah but, uh, I mean, and Final Fantasy fourteen can pull it off, so I'm assuming World of Warcraft can, hopefully, if yeah. they're competent enough to, to port it properly, if that comes a thing. Uh, it was Walmart's ad where it says the Switch Lite was one forty nine, the PS4 Pro is two ninety nine. Yeah, that it, was that was in the rumors as well. Before yeah, this, so. the Xbox One uh, all digital editions one forty nine, and then the PS4 Probably one terabyte is the one forty nine as well. So not bad. Not bad. If Sales. if it hits that, and I could see Walmart being aggressive enough to do that, considering they already slap. I mean, they may be taking some on the chin themselves on there. Because like I said, Nintendo's not normally been one to do Black Friday deals as much as they'll do like, hey, here's a console with packed-in games that are automatically on the system. I think they do normally do Black Friday deals, don't they? Maybe I'm wrong. But, I mean, Nintendo I is a lot more stubborn than anybody else. I think it's typically like the game sales they don't do. They don't do game sales typically, but they'll do Black Friday deals. If I'm console. not somebody, you mean yeah. console deals at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even well, then, no, I mean even like game deals. Like it's rare to find games on sale for Switch at places versus right? other other places. True. The best place for that I've seen so far is Target. Well, we'll see what happens. Like I said, Walmart's already you can you can already buy Nintendo games that are normally sixty for fifty at Walmart, but that's only because of Walmart choosing is to that do that. All, to be is that all games? Every game is at roughly ten dollars cheaper at Walmart. If you want it physically. But, I mean, that's even digitally because digital has no discount as well. So, anyway, that's going into the end of the news. But what's going to go into our main topic? And it's kind of a revisiting of a topic we did over a year ago. This is still when we were in the old studio. Um, was long time ago if you've been listening to us for a long time you probably remember it uh back when journey was announced to be coming from annapurna interactive over to um p to pc and it was people were asking how's it happening you know we learned that sony licensed out the rights for publishing to annapurna so they could do it on pc uh, we saw this come up again uh whenever we saw the quantic dream go and become more of an independent even though they've always been independent they they separated from their playstation ties that they had for so long uh and have decided to move forward with multi-platform games including pc releases so we saw pc releases of heavy rain Beyond Two Souls and Detroit Become Human uh, most recently. Uh, And those are all three games, of course, in that situation, as well as Journey, the fourth game, all being games that are Sony IPs. They're owned by Sony that Sony licensed out and said, 
they don't consider PC to be that much of a competition. It's extra money for them as far as, you know, we don't know this exactly. It's not that they've come out and said it, but their actions speak loud enough to me to say, as far as they're concerned, these games that have been sitting on their consoles long enough can go out somewhere else, be a source of income for them on a, on a platform that they don't consider to be direct competition, at least this generation. Yeah. And it begs the question with what's coming up as to, do we see more of that? So God of War director Corey Barlog recently mentioned on Twitter in response to a fan that he'd love to see God of War on PC, but quote, it is sadly a decision far above my pay grade. As is proven on a daily basis, I am no Kojima, end quote. And this is, of course, referencing the recent announcement that Death Stranding uh, is unsurprisingly releasing for PC. That's something that's been a, a, a rumor and essentially thought was going to happen since the game was announced. But the surprising part of that is, in case you hadn't seen, is it's coming sooner than I would have expected. Yeah. It's coming early summer 2020. So it's a roughly out. six month period of, of, of console exclusivity. I would have, I would have imagined Sony would have given it at least a year, but Red Dead Redemption isn't on PC yet, but yeah. it, it's been announced too as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing to see that go down. Uh, but, on the other side of things that's also interesting uh, is Dreams, the studio um, behind that is, of course, Media Molecule. They also mentioned desires to eventually bring the title to PC and have Dreams be a 20-year project if everything goes the way they want it to, uh, that they continue to improve and expand and make better and put it on more premium platforms. Um, now, that was in response to a question saying, would the game ever go to PC or would they yeah. like it to? And they said the answer to it is yes, but Dreams has to find a big audience on... Console first, really. On, on PS4 first, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, whether that's necessarily saying 100% PC or just saying that PS5 being much more of a console that will eventually see Dreams on PS5 with much extended capability, it's hard to say. Of course, the thing about this in every one of these situations is that Sony owns these IPs and it is ultimately up to Sony as to what they want to do. So regardless of what the studios themselves want to do, unless Sony just wants to go about making their studios happier, they have no reason as far as, you know, just that, that that's not the only reason they have to go and do these. This would be more of a, you know, how, how much do we want to be able to recoup on this? Death Stranding being a game that they funded with a studio that they don't own. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, well, the chances, as far as I'm reading the situation, it makes sense to let it go to PC. You know, this is a this is a studio that's reaping benefits from them. They're paying for the game entirely, even though they're not keeping the studio. And we don't know if the next game from the studio, if Sony will benefit from that at all. You know, at all, we don't know. Um, but what happens is, is, at least in this situation, as a one-off idea, saying, "Hey, we own the IP and we're paying for the game," so that means that whatever it sells on PS4 is whatever it sells on PS4. But once we move it to PC. We just make that much more money so that we're getting as much of a benefit from this partnership as we can before we see if his next game stays exclusive with us or becomes a multi-platform release. Yeah. And I think that that's smart. Uh, I think seeing that in the other games, we see that, again, Quantic Dream, suddenly, now that they're going to go multi-platform, Sony saw it as, there's no reason for us to keep these games on our platform exclusive because we're no longer benefiting from the fact that the next game will be exclusive to us. So put it on PC. Make money. Yeah, and, and interestingly enough, too, when thinking about this, I I I've gone as dark as possible on Death Stranding. I haven't even really watched the newest trailer that came out. I've only glanced at a couple reviews. I didn't either because apparently the trailer is like thirty minutes, twenty minutes. The final release trailer. Did you see that? I haven't actually watched. Are you sure? It. I'm gonna look and see. But um, I was thinking that like this may be a single franchise game, but then I realized it's Kojima. 
Kojima's never done a single franchise game. I'm wondering if it's he's true. gonna break that with this or if um if we're actually gonna get maybe a sequel out of this or a trilogy. And I was thinking when we were talking about Oh, it's only topics, seven minutes. So I don't know why my mind went that crazy. Sorry for yelling at the, the screen, but there, there, it's eight seven fifty five, so eight minutes. There is a uh, there is a, a a gameplay version of that that's like thirty or forty minutes long. Who knows? Or anyway, a gameplay uh, trailer. It's probably what I'm doing. It's but, just mixing them up. Yeah, but um, back like last June, it wasn't uncommon to see a game series have a weird oddball exclusive for one system, or not exclusive, but to go onto another system, like um, Metal Gear Solid. What was it? Um, Two was on Xbox. Oh, two and three. Two and three. Yeah, the the uh, was the, Snake the HD Xbox? collection. Yeah, it was. No, the, no, no. I'm talking about like the standard. There, like there was a Metal Gear Solid game that came to Xbox. Oh, original Xbox. Yeah, my bad. Um, you're probably right. I don't know. Now that yeah, it's the one that was riding the PS2 generation was. Oh, Metal Gear Rising. No, 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 no. So you mean Metal Gear Two, where, where you're playing as? Yeah, Metal Gear Solid Two. Yeah. And it came to Xbox. Yeah, I can believe it. Uh, very similar to. But like, I don't think three actually came to Xbox until the HD collection came out. You're probably right. Um, but what was weird about that? You know, that was a point in time when you're thinking about going back as far as Xbox and PS2. There was plenty of games that were considered de facto PlayStation exclusives that would eventually make their way to, X, uh, to Xbox, but just way later. Uh, we saw that happen with Grand Theft Auto Three, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Yeah, but it, and it's it's weird too because. Specifically with Kojima, the way I'm, the way my thought process is, is that we saw the HD collection come out later, like that was 2011 or 12. Yeah, um, yeah, because it was after saw, it was around the Vita coming out because it hit it hit Vita as well. So. Yeah, and we never saw another Metal Gear Solid game go to Xbox alone. Like we never saw Metal Gear Solid Three go to Xbox. Period. Like not even on Xbox 360 as an HD collection. I mean, as an HD game, they just got the collection. So it's really weird to have the second X, the second game in a series go on a system without the first. It's like Kingdom Hearts three going to Xbox, but no, them not having a uh, HD collection. So what I'm curious about is that is this going to be one of those weird things where this is a trilogy and PC is going to get the first game and not the second two, or if there is going to if there's well, already talks about that with them that we're you know we'll never be aware of. That's one of those weird things. Like I said, Sony owns the IP. Yeah. So it is ultimately up. If there is ever another Death Stranding, it will be as as far um, unless Sony changes their heart, it will be console exclusive. The PlayStation, one hundred percent. Yeah. Though it coming to PC, I think still lands on the whether or not Sony buys Kojima Productions and brings it into the fold, which I don't think. I don't know. You know, we've said before, I could see it. I could see Kojima being very thankful for how accommodating Sony's been and, and, and enjoying that and actually wanting to join the fold. But I could also see him not wanting, like we've, we've, we had an episode about this. I could see him not wanting to also go right back into being under somebody after Kojima or after Konami because I'm sure it wasn't always bad at Konami. And while it may be great at PlayStation right now, all it takes is a little bit of change in leadership to suddenly not be on terms in, in terms of people. You know, if Kojima goes to PlayStation and says, here's Death Stranding. This is this weird game I want to make that is really hard to explain, but this is the best I can do to explain it to you. And then they still let him do it. Right now, there's no reason for him to not be ecstatic about it. But what happens if he goes into the fold and he says, okay, great. But then three years from now, he has another weird new idea for an IP that sounds real crazy. And he goes, this is what I want to do. And then Sony goes, eh, 
no, we're not going to green light that. Then he's in the similar position where he's being forced into essentially making a similar game. Or he, it, I'm not going to say he forced, but he's essentially being told no on being able to make what he wants to make. Whereas as long as he's independent, all he has to do is just secure funding from someone. Yeah. And be it Sony or Microsoft or a completely different publisher or somebody like 505 Games, which is publishing the PC one of Death Stranding. Just saying, hey, we'll do it. You know, we'll give you the money for it. At that point, it's it, I, I understand it, but I think I get where you're going with it. I would I would imagine that unless Sony buys them, they'll continue to, to just make. If, if Kojima Production stays third party, every Death Stranding game will probably still release on PC just for maximum potential without going to your competitor. Yeah, and I'm curious to see if we're going to get more <clears throat> than two Death Strandings. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I mean. You, you know, you don't want it to end up being a situation where it, it's weird. A, a lot of a lot of independent developers want to retain their IP, which is great for a lot of develop, developers. They get to go back and say, hey, you're going to publish this for us, but we're going to hold on to the rights so that if we want to publish under someone else, we can. Uh, and then you kind of bounce through this thing of ending up in weird positions where you could be like Insomniac, where they say, hey, we were, we're going to go to Xbox and have them publish Sunset Overdrive because – we are going to, they were trying to broaden their horizons, publish under different people and publish in a way that would let them retain their IP. Yeah. So at the time, you know, all their IP, they didn't have any, all their IP was owned by Sony. Cause that's who they worked so closely with at that point. Um, that's true. So, you know, they were kind of sitting there going, every game that we've worked on besides Spyro is owned by PlayStation. So what do we do? And they go, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to go out and go to EA and say, Hey, we want to buy, we want to make this game fuse. And, it will make it, and then you let us keep the IP. They did that. Didn't do too well. Sunset Overdrive, they go to Microsoft and say, hey, we want to make this game, but we want you to publish it, but us to maintain the IP. Great. Sony's never been one to do that, uh, and they didn't even break that with this uh, agreement here. This is, hey, we're going to make the game. We're, you know, we're, we're going to completely pay for it. You're going to make the game. We're going to completely play for it, but we will definitely own the IP. That's just the way Sony's always done business, and it's smart. It gives them a back leg to fall off. If they ever fall in hard times and need to sell IP, they can. Yeah, they have true. a they have a valuable backlog. But and it'll be very valuable, assuming that it's Kojima. <clears throat> I'm assuming this game to be one of the best selling, if not the best selling game of the year. We'll see. Exclusive you know, wise, we we could we could go into with this episode how divisive the review scores have been and and the value of that. But I mean, coming into this, really, the, the biggest question we were going to ask is uh, that we were kind of looking at is how realistic is it in the long run that we see more PlayStation games with, with these developers saying this, how long is it inevitably before Sony either gives in and says, we're going to let all of our games release on PC because at least it keeps our competition out versus Sony holding on and saying, while we'll let certain games go to PC, these other games, the fact that as long as we still have, it's, it's the argument we see forever from place people on uh, Xbox, right? Right. What's the sentence you hear most when people say, um, Xbox ex- exclusive. What's the retaliatory statement that you hear people Sony say? Sony has more. No, the, uh, technically, that is one, but the one I always think of is, and Blake mocked it the other day in the Discord, but it, it is a real thing that people say is, Xbox doesn't have any true exclusives. Because Xbox as a, pl- as a system, I should say as a console, doesn't have true exclusives anymore. Yeah, they're all... But as a PC. platform... They do have exclusives. Yeah, I think generally now exclusives, like, would would I consider Death Stranding an exclusive? No. I don't even like the word console exclusive anymore because I feel like the further and further console we... Console exclusive. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and that, mainly that too right there. But yeah, like, it's, you know, 
I think that maybe back like five to six years ago where PC was way more niche than it is now, then sure, that would make a little bit more sense. But now P, like PC is, is very rapidly catching up with the user base that consoles are seeing now. You know, nowhere near... Um, like well, what, well, what you can say is, of course, the user base is huge. I guess what you really mean is, it's, it's the thing that you're going to have to be able to do to to measure PCs success against consoles is um, unit sales for video games, not for Pretty much, systems. Yeah. You uh, just have to look and say, well, if the game's available on three, is the PC version on average selling? similar to or more than the console versions. And that's what you're going to have to look at and see like, well, how much of a market is there for PC? Because PC's got a lot of different things. Uh, stolen, cracked keys, um, pirated games, which technically consoles have too. It just requires you to, to crack your console and it doesn't require you to do much on PC at all. You just download the game and play it. Yeah, and there's like a, there's a lot of misinfo on that too, or on general like PC things. Like people always say like, oh, I can't play that game on PC. There's too many cheaters. I, I've played so many online PC games and never have once seen a cheater. Like it's just one of those things too. Like you can't blame the console for that either. That's on the that's on the people who develop the game who have anti cheat software they make for it. Yeah. And typically nowadays, unless you're playing like a game like CS:GO or something like that, where like literally culture in China in China is to go to a bar. Uh, what they have are land bars and, or land spots where they could just go rent a booth and play the game. They don't believe in not cheating. One of the one of the things is is that they want to do whatever they can to win. And if you ask anybody ever in the CS:GO community who is like the biggest uh, form of cheaters, it's people are going to say the Chinese. Like they they are they care none at all. To put on, like it's very common there for them to do it. It's it's not seen. You mean as, that? Yeah. So you mean like societally speaking, over there, it's, it's not friendly fun. Upon. Yeah. Yeah. And so like games like CS:GO and stuff like that. Like I'm almost curious as to if they don't put in these anti-cheat measures, like Rainbow Six did. Rainbow Six finally added some like two years ago. There was a video of the second they added it, and it just had like names scrolling down who was banned, and for like five minutes total. Um, of just names just scrolling through and and because when you play it when you're playing it would pop up and say so and so was banned um, due to cheat nature or something like that but it just kept on going when they finally activated it and I'm wondering if CS:GO doesn't do stuff like that because it's money you know people you know those gaming cafes they pay for the keys to the game there's so many there millions upon millions of people play this game and they want to cheat at it I don't think I think that if they just got caught cheating they just make a new account and um, yeah. it's like Overwatch. People in China and Overwatch cheat always. Like if you if you see a cheater in Overwatch, from what I've all, all I've seen, um, because I got really into those. Like you watch somebody cheat videos and watch them get instantly banned or 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 get or or lose even though they're cheating. Is that a thing on uh, on Reddit on YouTube and Reddit? I guess. Yeah, it's 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 like a compilation of like cheaters just getting destroyed in the game despite their their use of wall hacks or whatever. And um, oftentimes, like, you'll see Chinese names. And it's, you know, that's what they do there. It's, it's, it's different culture than ours. But it's not as bad as what people think it is. And I think now that those numbers are rising, it makes more sense for games to go to all three platforms in a weird way. And I think this is the weird way we're seeing. Because multi-platforms existed for PC always. That, that's never not been a thing. And... Now it's like we have Games Pass and uh, Xbox into the mix, and that's where a lot of PC players are playing those. Now we're getting more and more PlayStation games throughout the years, and we even see a PS Now presence on PC. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting to think about in a sense too of like these companies and 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 console manufacturers are moving more towards a service 
on the Xbox side while moving more towards an exclusive side on PlayStation so that when PlayStation does something like this, way more noticeable. Yeah. And that, way yeah. more. Because like you, just, you just mentioned the other half of, you know, we, early on I said that the, the question's technically already been answered of will Sony games hit on PC? Well, it's already happened, of course, Absolutely. Journey and those three. But just not all you, you did bring up the other side of that, which is that PS Now already exists in a weird way of technically you can play on PC, not natively, some even more. You can play right now, currently, on PC, God of War, PS4, Uncharted 4, um, Infamous Second Son. Yeah, if you have like um, Google Fiber or something, yeah. you're not going to have tons of issues with that, with streaming. You're still going to have input lag and, st- and, and a little bit of artifacting because no connection is going to remain 100% perfect enough. Well, like, you know, e- even recently, you know, I was, I was talking to Blake the other night about... Um, he was saying that there was problems with Google Stadia uh, being a streaming service, and people were having experiencing really bad, like half a second delay. Isn't that supposed to come out this month? Yeah, I thought so. I'm pretty sure it still is. But anyway, where I was going with that is, like, you know, you're talking about that. I was playing uh, Infamous One and Infamous Two recently on PS Now, just because I was like, I'm already on my PlayStation Four, and I'm just wanting to play these games to catch up on. Uh, specifically, Infamous One was like a how rough did that game look these days? Because it's been so long, and you know, you, you wear kind it, of rose tinted glasses. I bet it, it's rough. Yeah, I, was, I bet it's pretty rough. I bet now two is is two bet. looks fantastic. I still. remember thinking when, but two was also like I remember when two first came out. Only two years later, I was like, this is two years later. Yeah. This looks amazing. There's like like you know you can see water in the eye line and like glistening in the eyes, uh, but no, entirely playable. I mean, and I mean playable, playable. The little 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 bit of input lag. Didn't feel like an obvious, oh, this server's having input lag. It just felt like you were having a slightly off day, but it wasn't enough to ruin your playing on that style of game. So it, it, it's interesting. But yeah, uh, these games being able to be played on PC now is a odd extra way to answer this question of, do these games come to PC? Yes, but no. They're coming, but they're not coming natively. You can't do the, you know, most people when they say, I want this game on PC, what they really mean, and that might be shifting as PC starts to get picked up in terms of people feeling like that there's more of a, less of a, a barrier of entrance. Um, but what people most of the time mean when they say they want a game on PC is they want the game on PC so that they can play the game and it's max potential yeah a lot of people say that it's like well even if it means that i've got a slightly better system than the ps4 i can still get i can still benefit from that slightly more power uh by having a game that lets me adjust resolution to what i want it to be uh, adjust the anti-aliasing to what i want it to be if there's multiple types of anti-aliasing it lets me choose which ones i want to do from that do we want anisotropic filtering yeah. all these different pc things that consoles don't normally have the ability to control Field of view is one of those things that you very seldom see on console. It's it happens, yeah, but it's seldom. Um, but that's what people mean when they say they want these games on PC. Then you have games like Dreams coming. I mean, you know, God of War makes sense. People just want to see God of War and its peak potential. But then you have a game like Dreams where it's, uh, and I mean, graphically in that one. Then you have a game like Dreams, which is we want to see this game and its peak potential, not hampered by what can people make on a controller and a console. Uh, and even sometimes, you know, keyboard and mouse, which you can do in those games. But also, like, what can you do if you suddenly have a system where you can put your own mods in? And, you know, if a user base, you're making a game, and technically Dreams solves some of these problems on its own. Dreams says, someone else can make rain clouds and completely tell you what they are, and then you can go and download them and put them in your game if you don't understand how to make rain work. But you understand a lot of other stuff. So Dreams tries to catch on to that to some degree, but when you put it on PC, it just opens up that much more. Dreams is already opening console 
gaming up in a very different way. Dude, there's but, like I don't think people understand that like the things that you could do on PC dreams that you can't do on on PS4, it's minimal, but the thing but the things that are there um well, imagine, if, like, if it happened, yeah. we should say, we're not saying that it is happening. If it's either. there, like imagine uh, instead of just using external assets uh, provided by other people or something like that, you can just literally go in and draw stuff and use those as models. Mm-hmm. Like a true game developer who will go in and take a, he'll, he'll draw a cloud out and then shade it to the light that's in the scene. And then he can use Photoshop or GIMP or whatever he's using in a tablet to do all that in and then use that. And that'll a, be fair. Neither one of us have actually used Dreams PS4. I don't know to what level these things are. I don't think on you PS4, would be able but to it seems unlikely. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think you could actually create images and stuff. On, I don't know. On dreams on PS4. Well, you can you can you can three D sculpt and and completely yeah, but sculpt. I, but them I mean, like artwork, artwork. I, I don't know. Like, like I said, I don't know. Uh, but regardless, I, I don't want to lose the forest for the trees completely. The dreams question can go down a huge rabbit hole of what the possibilities yeah. were. I don't know how compelling of a conversation that'd be because it's probably going to be a lot of weird bouncing around of technical terms. But that might be something we talk about on our own or find a way to better communicate on here because I don't want to go too crazy. Maybe when Dreams comes out, when, when what is the release date for that game? Right now, it's still in early access. They're, they're being very coy about the release date. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess here's the real question. How do you feel? You kind of already partially answered it, that you think that this is something we're seeing more people do and that you see it, it being as... PlayStation doing it while everybody else, besides Nintendo to an extent, at least, you know, besides Nintendo's Nintendo always on their weird thing. Yeah. But besides Nintendo doing it, the two other people, PC, Xbox, and, and PS4, of those, Xbox and PC are very synonymous right now. Yes. Every Xbox exclusive hits on PC. That is not true of PlayStation right now. And for the most average person who's on PlayStation, they either don't believe that it will happen at all or they don't even want it to happen. It's either one of the two. I think that both of those are incorrect stances. And I'll, I'll address the first one. I just, we're seeing it happen now. Every game, you are not ever going to see that fully happen, but we are going to see. I would say that if this becomes a healthy relationship between them based off of Death Stranding, this could, this could happen quite more frequently with these first party yet i don't want to call it double a but it's not like a um even as a kojima fan death stranding is not something that is going to be comparable to like last of us in my eyes for some reason and i don't know what it is do you mean from a sales perspective yes or from okay yeah like i don't really know what i would call that but the second part is that's just being selfish like as a normal person it's like get like I understand why you want to have exclusives like from a like a company standpoint because that's why people buy the consoles but to not to, to get like there is literally people on on Twitter I'm sure you saw them of joking around talking about they'll never support Hideo again uh, because of this decision oh no and there's there's been that. like copy pasta going around of like I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my ps4 off my balcony and stuff like that because like there's there's literally people who got upset that this game is no longer a true exclusive it's like stop being selfish it you're, is weird that people childish. didn't expect that but yeah if I can I want to see if I can find it real quick. on your two things real quick there's one thing that I do things a little different so the one thing that I, I think you know is, is, is a little different of why we may not see it happen for a long while, is that despite the fact that these PlayStation games have been coming to PC, Sony are not into it enough that they are willing to publish them themselves on PC, though they would make more money very likely. And I think that's... So I think it goes to show where Sony is trying is kind of showing that they only want to do it on certain games where they consider there to be no more monetization possible for them on consoles or no more benefit, which as I was saying earlier in the episode. But the other side of that... 
is that the idea of selfishness. Uh, and I understand where you're going with it is the idea of like, oh, just because it's on your platform doesn't mean you should be stuck there. I think the reason that that kind of happens, and I think I somewhat exist in this pocket, is why I say that, is part of the reason I love PlayStation and the fact that they are not afraid to be true exclusives is that they are somewhat the curators of the games that come on their consoles. And more often than not, I find that I like almost every PlayStation exclusive that comes from its studios more than I do any other multi-platform game. Well, much more than I do any other publisher at all. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel like I do not care for a large swath of EA's games. I do not care for a large swath of Ubisoft's games. I do not care for a large swath of Xbox, Microsoft's uh, publishers. Yeah. I don't care for plenty of Square well, games. Well, yeah, and this is, this is also in our preferences as well. Yeah, and of course, everybody exists differently. But what I mean by that is there's a lot of people that like what Sony, what, and I'm not going to say chooses sony from what we're seeing and what microsoft seems like they're trying to do as well is to create an ecosystem where you have developers who because of the fact that the setup you have going where you have like microsoft has a, a pool of money behind them because of our xbox i should say has a pool of money from behind them because of microsoft playstation has a pool of money behind them because sony views playstation as their most profitable thing that brought them back up so what happens is, is that there's no motivation on either side. Microsoft says, we want to be remembered in the same way that PlayStation's exclusives are to some extent. And we know that because Phil Spencer's constantly said, we understand that we need to do better in exclusives. Yeah. And, and he, now he does mean across a platform, not across a service, but he still understands that people are going to say, game published by, Exoft, uh, by Microsoft, it needs to be this level it needs to be yeah. this, level this level of quality, quality. Yeah. it needs to be that where every one of them is being remembered because of some kind of crazy thing you know for whatever it is it be it like something that's touching like the last guardian does or and i'm not saying that xbox doesn't have these at all i'm just saying that it's clear to them that there's a lot more there's a lacking of them there's a lot more slips than playstation has had definitely yeah. this generation and the, and they acknowledge it and that's fine and that still comes down to preference you could hate every sony game that comes out but where i stand on that and why i say i, I don't know about the way i feel about calling itself too much is because for me when i think about it playstation is the one publisher right now because of the fact that there's a there's a synergistic reason for them to worry about the quality of their games and the also the motivation to let studios do what they want to do so that the quality has a higher chance uh kind of like you you know from your previous work that when people are at a job that they do not love what they're doing or the quality at least really falls. like it, the quality falls yeah. of your work. And, and everybody knows that. If you're at a job that you don't like, your own quality falls, and you'll see other people, if they don't like it either, yeah. like the whole place runs like crap, right? Mm -hmm. And you'll see that across games. If you have people that are not really inspired by what they're working on, but they're just doing it because it's a paycheck, you see that in the final product. Yeah. And so Sony has a real... And other publishers do to an extent too, but Sony capitalizes on it often, and we, we hear Microsoft doing the same thing of going to publishers or going to their developers and saying, look, Give us ideas of things that y'all are all interested in and making, you know, make it even if it's multiple things, because, you know, there is a business side of this. If we can't just let everything go, but we want you to have multiple ideas that the whole studio is interested in and behind so that if we green light it and you decide to move forward with it, everybody's working from a passion standpoint. On yeah. This. And, I, and, and that makes sense. And, I'm not, and I'm not saying every exclusive, like yeah, if, if they got like, I get it, but, but I, hold on, let me at least finish it. And then because you I might be get, I don't know, but I might be getting to what you're talking about in a weird way anyway. But when you have this situation of this loop going it for me sony being 
more coy about letting their stuff go off platform means that they're going to be more protective of the quality of their stuff, which means I'm going to more likely than not continue to have this relationship where Sony published means something to me. Yeah, and but I think that, that could go away the more that you start to let that go out because now you're dealing with a very different user base. You're dealing with a very different, you're trying to please different plate people right now. Sony's curated something that's housed within their console market that's based around the games that they are. A lot of people buy PlayStation primarily for the fact of, well, why did you do this one over the other? Well, the since the multi-platforms are on everything, it becomes the first step. Now that mo- now that cross-platforms here, cross-platform play, that kind of goes away. The first step for a long time was, well, more of my friends play on this system. Mm-hmm. Then the immediate next step up was, okay, if that's not it, what is it? Well, the exclusives. Yeah. You know, that's just, the, that's the extra benefit. And my thing though is, is that one of the big things too is that, you know, and then what I mean by like, I don't, I don't think you're selfish if you don't want like them to go, but you're you're a selfish kind of person if you get upset at it. Fair, yeah, I think that's totally and, fair. But and and it's or, those, or I should say upset to the point where you're actively trying to ruin other people's enjoyment. I mean, I think because yeah. I think being upset just internally and going, man, that there's, sucks. there's a yeah, chance that's, that that's, this is going to that's, that's. But even then, to me, that's like, but why does that suck? Like, I'm gonna, you, it's, as a, as it's a, not that it sucks as much as it's that it's the internal fear that something that you love is going to dissipate in a way that you don't enjoy. That's yeah. And that's what it is. And I don't that, think we've ever seen that happen uh, though. We, I don't know. That's with, a real, that's a weird one, but I, I'll still say to the point of you get to that point where I, I still think it, I don't think it's selfish unless you start projecting it on other people, which is essentially what you yeah. just said. Yeah, the moment it, that you let your inner personal feelings go out and ruin someone else's enjoyment of the fact that they now also get to, partic- to participate in this. Like you said, with Death Stranding being a huge example. Uh, it, it, yeah, that that's too much. That That's when yeah. you cross the line between that's you're being selfish in a way that is detrimental to other people. Yeah. And it's also like, like to expound just a little bit further before we end it is just saying that, you know, I understand that people are going to say like, Oh, well, that kind of sucks that it's moving on. But for me, it's just like, Oh, that's kind of cool. You know, more people get to play those games. I don't own stock in PlayStation. Like, you know, I, I've never once seen this generation suffer a, a game in this generation suffer because it was multi-platform. Like when you really think about it, what if you can't name a one single game that the reason that it suffered was solely because it was multi-platform? You know, and, and that's a good question because I don't know how that I, I don't even know how you'd quantify it. You could you know say that, I mean? that them having to develop across all three systems with versus the budget they had versus the manpower they had caused the game to suffer in the overall product. You could I, say I mean, you could. I, this is just that's what I'm saying. It's, it's hard to quantify it because you could say that let's take. Uh, let's take The Witcher 3, a okay. game that launched that everybody loved, but even then the game did have at launch some bugs, bugs some problems, some yeah. frame rate issues, some screen tearing, stuff that they had to come back in and fix with performance patches. The chances of that happening so much at the beginning of the game, if it was always just meant to be on one system, it means that it would have been more optimized for one system. doesn't mean it's impossible. We see a game that was exclusive this generation, Days Gone, or this year, sorry, uh, Days Gone come out and still be a mess despite being yeah, optimized yeah, for one. And I don't but mean, it, that's what I'm saying. It's hard to quantify well, it. I I don't mean a mess, mess. I just mean something that is completely. Well, even useless. Days Gone wasn't a mess. I, I should say, at least by the time that it was, at least by the it time that it hit a big launch. Mess. Yeah, uh, I think the the, ver- the version that reviewers got, I would consider I mean, to be a mess. But yeah, even then, like it being a mess. So, like, let's say that that is. Like, well, we, let's use that as an example, even though that's not directly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that's a little more unplayable than that. Which, okay, sure. Um, by true def- by true definition, I guess if I'm playable, because for me, <laughs> true debt, yeah, true debt. <laughs> this is the way you said uh, it. But um, because for me, technically, days gone. Watch Dickish at best, by the way. I'm not playing. I'm not paying sixty dollars for a game that's that that plays like that at launch. Hmm? It's unplayable Fair. for me, but it's not Fair. unplayable at all. Yeah, that's just it's just my preferences. Yeah. Um, but 
games like uh, like let's say let's say Death Stranding two launched on PC and PS4 at the exact same time, but yep. it had bugs like Death Stranding did at launch. Those bugs for oh, Death Days Str- Gone, you mean? Yeah, Days okay, Gone. Make it sure. Uh, those bugs for like you could say like oh well you know this might not have happened if it was only a console game, but those bugs didn't hold anybody back from loving Days Gone. So in reality, it's not ever True. that big of a problem. True. Yeah, it's just that's that's where I see more people just being a fanboy and, and not being able to say that this game's an exclusive mm-hmm. is where the toxicity comes from. What I'm saying, yes, yeah. Um, so th- th- that's the way that both of ours kind of come together because yeah. like because you know, the thing about Days Gone is there's ever a chance that a game like Days Gone would have never been made if it wasn't for Sony trying to do something that was different because they were like, well, we need to have a different style. We need to have a swath of exclusive, different games. We need to, if the team says they want to make this, well, even I don't though know. it sounds... Kojima's kind of freaky. I think he would have made something like that regardless of what Sony needed. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, Death Stranding may not well, be the And Kojima example. is an outlier in that and the thing, in the fact that his name means so much. Like What I mean by that is... The I, fact that Corey Borok said, I am no Kojima. <clears throat> yeah, and I actually mean that even going back to the scale. The reason I chose Days Gone specifically is because remember before it launched I kept saying a lot of people don't even know who Ben Studio is the name means nothing (laughs) so if the the name doesn't mean anything on the same level as it does for even Naughty Dog or even Sucker Punch or even Insomniac or, or of course Kojima but what you get to in that situation that's, that's kind of why I was saying it. If the team at Bend, the exact team, the exact situation was there, but Sony was no longer worried about exclusives and trying to have games that had a chance of ending up being really special for whatever reason, which Days Gone did end up being, yeah. uh, then the motivation to even ever make that game and give them the delays and the budget and all the stuff that they had would have been a lot lesser if Sony didn't have the inner motivation of let them do it because we have to see this through because it's at least a chance that it'll end up being a big hit that can only be played on our system. And it's, it's essentially of sometimes I, I love exclusives on all across all sides because it breeds a certain type of competition of yeah, we have a good to, reason to, you have yeah. to, you know, we want to make it to where this game feels like it couldn't be playable anywhere else. It's like yeah. you play it here or and it you're feels like, wrong oh my, everywhere yeah. else. Like it's, it's like the mindset with me. And Final or it feels like it would have never happened if it yeah. wasn't for this. That's like, what I should I say. I played Final Fantasy 13 on the Xbox 360. That felt weird because yeah. it was a Final Fantasy game. There was another game that I brought up not too long ago as well. Um, Metal Gear Solid because of the non-pressure sensitive buttons. It was Metal Gear Solid. What was it? Was it Devil May Cry 4? 2 that I said was weird playing on Xbox? Yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah. Yeah, it's just there like there are these weird mindsets and it's it's a flea-based question about controller too. Yeah. yeah it's and just and like that this, one's not exclusive, but I still get your point. It, yeah, because that it just, goes into just the, the different controller makes you feel not at home, let alone the system. That goes into what we talk about all the time with the idea of de facto exclusives. Games yeah. that are not actually exclusive, but you identify them so much with one console because of the faux exclusivity they had. Yeah. Yeah. I get what, that. what is our community state question going to be? I think a community state question is going to be, how do you feel about exclusives? And, and more, more importantly, how do you feel about the idea of true exclusives versus Sony actually going out and doing what Microsoft's doing and having the idea of exclusives that are to a platform? So do you want exclusives to stay behind one machine or would you prefer to see them move out and still be exclusives, but to a platform and what effect do you, I'll find a better way to type it up, but what effect do you think that has on the final product of the game? Yeah, that might, I like that. So, so guys, keep a lookout for the uh, community's take. So you guys can be featured in the next episode where we pick a couple of them and uh, yeah, let us know what you thought about the topic and the, the video and everything. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't think that this was actually going to be this good of a, of a discussion, but I actually ended up really enjoying it. So whose idea was this yours? No, was wait, it? I don't even know at this point. No, right, it was a mixture like, of our two. Yeah. So Cause I brought, I brought reviews for death training, how, how divisive they were, Yeah, yeah. which anyway. we didn't touch on at all, but it's um, fine. 
But uh, they weren't that pertinent to the system. But well, if you guys like the episode, like it. If you dislike it, dislike it, and uh, leave your opinions in the comments on YouTube below. Share it with somebody. Share if you yeah, like it. There we go. Like, say like, hey, you like PlayStation? You like podcasts? Bam, bam. If you we've know got someone who you. wants to see two guys laid back liking games, then tell them hey, go check out <laughs> Triangle Square. They're not a kitty uh, shape channel for YouTube. <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Blow, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Funk Turkey, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stoner, Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and Dylan Kirby. If you would like to support the show, head over to uh, patreon.com slash nartech or visit the link in our description below. Thank you.